You're listening to the Tech Nest Podcast. You'll hear from PropTech founders, investors, and industry veterans on how they're using tech to change the way we buy, sell, and invest in real estate. This isn't just another podcast about making money in real estate. This is about how we live. In each episode, you'll hear about the market opportunities and trends driving the industry forward. TechNest is proudly produced by Finn Ledger in partnership with HW Media. And now your host, Nate Smoyer. All right, we have one of one of my favorite types of episodes here because this is a return guest, Chuck Hadamer. He's one of the co-founders and CMO at Poplar Homes. Now, if you've been around the podcast for a while, you may remember season one, episode four, which may have been like one of the first two or three episodes I'd ever recorded. They, you know, I published all season one at the same time, uh, Chuck was a guest. And at that time, Poplar Homes was known as One Rent. But a lot of things have changed in the last four years. Poplar's coming off a Series B round of funding, $53 million that they raise. They've expanded into eight new markets. Chuck goes into their M&A strategy of how they've been finding and acquiring property management businesses and the strategy after they acquire those property management companies. And of course, we talk about a few industry trends and issues uh, surrounding, you know, tech-enabled property management companies, venture capital, and why there's an interest uh, in the, the service-based industries and how that's being viewed as tech companies versus just pure service plays. Uh, so much packed in here. We've well, covered a lot of ground in 50-some minutes. I think you'll enjoy it. Stick around. All right, but just one more thing here before we jump into today's episode, a word from our sponsor. Cure is banding together and building together to make renting a home a simple and satisfying experience for all. Over 30 leading property management companies have joined Pure so far. Combined, they have over 1,000 years of experience. They deliver a high-tech, high-touch, and hyper-local property management experience for residents and investors nationwide. Learn more about joining Pure at purepm.co. Hey, Chuck. Welcome to the show. Hey, Nate. Thanks for having me here. The long-awaited, most anticipated second appearance on TechNest. It's, it's, been, it's literally been four years wow. since you were... Uh, actually, it's been more than four years since we actually did an interview. But four years ago, for those listening who don't know, Chuck was episode four of season one of TechNest podcast. I literally hit publish on, I think it was eight episodes, and 30 minutes later was off the grid for five days straight, only to realize that I totally jacked up one of the episodes <laughs> when I got back. Fortunately, Chuck, it wasn't yours, so you know, these things happen here, but uh, glad to have you back. I'm Thank excited you. to uh, get into a whole bunch of different topics we got, um, but as you may remember, the, tr- the tradition goes on. Please introduce yourself, let everyone know who you are and what you do. Yeah, well, hey, it's about time for a little update. Uh, it's been been a while. I've, I've you know, my face is, uh, has developed a little bit. You can't see this on video, thankfully. Uh, but uh, yeah. You no, have a beard been... as well, just like me. We both have the same length beard, yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's, that's how it looks, guys. Just imagine that. Uh, I'm Chuck Adamer. I'm the co-founder and CMO at Poplar Homes. Uh, in season one of Nate's show, we were at that time called One Rent um, and did the rebranding in 2020. Uh, and our company is a technology-enabled uh, property management service for residential rentals. Um, so we do full-service property management, and we're all about bringing you know national tools and infrastructure to local property owners, mostly single family, uh, single family homes. All right. So four years time, lots of things have changed. You know, we already, I think we'll actually get into the little bit of the rebrand later because there's another one of your, uh, programs, if you will, street cred. We'll talk about that, actually how that may relate to the popular name, which if you're curious for everyone who's listening, just, uh, go to YouTube and look up, uh, one rent, PropTech feature, and you might see the original Poplar 
uh, landing page show up on on the YouTube on the the Tech Nest uh, YouTube channel. But walk me through a few of the things that have changed over the last uh, few years and the evolution of of the company. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, you know, a, a lot has changed. Um, we, you know, four years ago, um, we were really in the thick of building out our property management platform and service, uh, mostly on the West Coast and a couple of states, California and Washington, where we started. And, uh, you know, the company has developed a lot since then. We've we've grown now. We're at uh, over 13,000 doors under management. We've finally made it coast to coast. So we're, we're in 12 different states across the country now. Um, and we the 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 services have developed pretty significantly in in terms of uh, bringing some maintenance uh, in house. So our company we do everything you know leasing, management, maintenance, um, and we've we've brought maintenance in house. We've we've built out what we call Poplar Home Services, which is our maintenance division, um, and really focus on just uh, developing the technology, particularly for you know, the, the individual property owner and landlord. Um, and then the last couple of years, um, we started a, uh, acquisitions strategy with, uh, growing through M and a across the country. And that's been, um, pretty significant driver of growth in the past couple of years. We've done, uh, 12 companies we've acquired, um, and, that's been, uh, and uh, you know, we're we're integrating those as they come on board um, within about six months of them joining, and uh, that's given us more local presence in all of our markets. So we we have local people in each each of our markets, um, and it's also given us you know that coast to coast coverage. So yeah, yeah. that's and we'll, that's we'll been... get more into that one a little bit later too. I want to talk yeah. through that quite a bit. Um, you know, I think that that's a uh, becoming a little bit more of a trend that we're seeing. And so we'll kind of dive into that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, you got, you, you led in there though, tech enabled property management. This is TechNest. We talk about the intersection of real estate and technology here. So look, I know you don't mean because your property management company has computers and internet that it's tech enabled. So what is it about Poplar that makes it tech enabled? Like what is the difference between that and, you know, I don't even know how many hundreds or thousands of, traditional, if you will, property management companies exist in the United States, but like what's, what's the real difference here? Yeah. So I think one of the best ways to describe it is the leasing experience. The first time you might experience our service. So this actually happened. I was um, looking for a place to rent and was sitting in the car after a showing, went online and uh, my friend was sitting next to me and he went online and was looking at places on Zillow. I was looking on Zillow and I came across a Poplar property. So when you, and, and he came across a, you know, another property managed by a different property manager. So he called the, the number and uh-huh. while he was on hold, uh, waiting for a leasing agent, I went to the Poplar property online, you know, clicked to go to the Poplar website and immediately was able to whip out my ID, take a picture of it, get an access code for a self tour and actually book my tour all while he was still waiting on hold. Now, self tours is something other property managers are doing, but they're they're always kind of plugging in different systems to make this happen. So you still need a human to transfer information between those systems. But with Poplar, you could book that tour, get the code, I showed up at the property. As soon as I entered, I got a text message that said, hey, do you have any questions? I asked some questions. I got a response on text. And then I, as I was walking out the door, I got a link to the application. And in a couple taps, I could finish that application, be approved. And by the time I was back in my car, I was ready to actually sign a lease. So it's really this kind of integrated experience where instead of jumping between different systems, a tenant screening system, a self tour system, you know, Appfolio, property management software, right, right. It's an end to end experience um, for the renter, for the owner. 
And meanwhile, the owner on the other side of that equation was able to see all the data of what was happening. They could see that they got a new tour, they got a new application, and now they had someone pending to sign a lease. So it's really about that kind of integrated experience that we've built. And we don't, we don't build all of our own internal systems. We use some existing property management software, but everything user facing is really an integrated experience. Um, and so I think that's one of the best ways to highlight sort of how technology has a difference in our business compared to traditional. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll use, you know, I'll, I'll use the antithesis of example, right? When I was living in Chicago, we had, um, we, you know, you had a, we had a package delivery, uh, software system that didn't connect to anything about the residents. And then all the, it could, because it was a condo building, it wasn't actually an apartment building. Um, you know, it was all kinds of more, probably more complicated, but, but like there was no digital leasing. So like, yeah. My, my my landlord hired this realtor who literally used the same headshot for she's been using this headshot for like the last 40 years it just it once like, you get a good I, one you, know, you just gotta hold on I guess to it. you just hold on to it you know what i mean <laughs> yeah, yeah. it was really hard to recognize her woman after like i don't think it's the same but you know i mean she was doing business the same way she had got you know the same year she got that headshot mm-hmm. and and so everyone was wet signature but you know but then the parking the par- there was a parking system you know, and payment for the parking system was separate. Then there was another system for the gym and the gym membership. And that was a totally separate system. And I was like, none of this even matches to who the resident here is. Like I could move out and none of these other systems know that. Exactly. Every one of them, I I had to like do something to like shut that system off. And as a, you know, as a customer, if you will, as a resident, and one of the themes that we've been hitting on a lot on this show, uh, I don't know if you had a chance to listen to the, um, Fatima Dico's uh, interview from Sugar, but at the importance of resident experience and where that's really shifting because, you know, I, you know the last few years really emphasized for a lot of people the way mm-hmm. you live and how important that is and how resident experience kind of plays into that. So, you know, when you talk about like delivering a seamless experience on the front end to the resident, you know, that's one of the two customers you're serving. It makes a lot of right. sense to, to keep that nice and easy. Right. And that, and that kind of, you know, I think that speaks to the new generation of both property owners and residents is, you know, people that have grown up as digital natives who expect that kind of on-demand concierge experience. And um, there, as there's this generational shift in who owns the largest asset class in the world, there's going to be a demand for, you know, being able to do all of, all of the things around living yeah. in one uh, service and experience. Now, of course, you can't be everything to everyone. Yeah. Um, so it's about building up to that, identifying what are the right pieces to plug in. And I'm happy to see there's more of the kind of pure platform plays in the prop tech space that are opening up APIs to allow you to integrate um, or allowing you, you know, allowing you to brand the the service or offering um, second nature pinata these are some of the uh, resident benefit package services right those plug into your existing stack you don't need to send people to another system and I think that's key for really delivering a great experience for both the owner and the renter at the end of the day yeah yeah let's talk about another thing that you guys are doing for renters uh, this program called street cred, yeah. uh, that you're running. So, so correct me if I'm wrong, but this is what I was mentioning earlier about my YouTube, uh, video. That's, that's originally what was called Poplar, right? That's right. Poplar street or something yep. like that. That was called Poplar street. Uh, sort of an, a oh. throwback to the name of the street where we started the company, um, in Santa Clara, California, that was called Poplar street. We always liked that name yeah. and, uh, it's a street or avenue that every town in America pretty much has. And, you know, that's part of our ambition is to serve every town in America. So um, it, it fit nicely. So you rebranded, rebranded from one rent to Poplar. That's right. Yeah. And which, by the way, the, the I think the orange is better than the green. I can now say that because it, it, so. it took a while, right? <laughs> yeah. 
So then now, now we've got uh, the program street cred. So walk me through what street cred is, how it works, uh, you know, and why that's so important to you guys to do. Why not just stay in your lane, if you will, as yeah. you know, just doing property management. So the so street cred was launched um, about four years ago, um, and this program, the idea there was home ownership was becoming increasingly. Um, you know, out of reach for the renting generation, especially in some of our key markets like California and Washington. And, you know, when, as a property management company, we've got a, a lot of the operational processes, the licensing requirements for actually doing brokerage and, and helping people buy and sell real estate. We've also got the number one reason why owners um, leave our platform and mostly any property manager is they're selling their property. So we've got this interesting marketplace where um, we've got a lot of that same operational components needed for buying and selling real estate. We've got people wanting to sell and buy. So Poplar, uh, what we call street cred now, Poplar street cred is a program where residents earn credit in the form of street cred points um, or, yep. and that credit builds up over time and they can use that to apply towards um, purchasing a home. And they, they get it basically right. in the form of a cashback rebate after they buy a home with us acting as their buyer's agent. And we fund that by basically passing through any buyer's buyer agent commission that we earn. Um, so the idea there is that if we can help residents make that next step, then we can truly start to build towards our ultimate vision, which is become a lifetime real estate partner um, for all things in your real estate journey. And when it comes time for them to maybe invest in real estate, they'll also think about us. Um, and then also for owners, it's a benefit for owners. If you have a two bedroom, two bath house on Poplar Street and your neighbor also has a two bedroom, two bath house, if you're the one offering a home buying assistance program, that's going to attract um, residents more than your competitors. Obviously, in a hot market, it's less relevant. But when, well, you know, not right now. I I think just even this, we we've had quite a bit of shift, and right now we're seeing incentives come out. We're seeing prices exactly uh, drop on existing listings uh, and a little bit longer time on market. And I let's be real. We're so far from like in the dumps. Oh yeah. But the shift is is caught a lot of people off guard. Yeah. Uh, and I think more people are willing and open to uh, programs like this is gonna, you know, it, it'll it'll flow maybe a little bit with with uh, the fluctuations in the market. But it seems yeah. like now would be even uh, the right timing for something like this to already exist. Oh yeah. And honestly, I see. You know, I think it's great that there's more people getting into that space now. Um, and offering these home buying assistance programs and kind of thinking creatively of how to bridge that gap between renting and ownership. Um, because it's, it's just, you know, it, it's so out of whack right now that, um, you've got people deciding to, you know, pick up and move entirely, which ultimately is kind of the, the free market dynamics in play, but that's, that's, uh, you know, it can be pretty disruptive to someone especially if you need to live near family or wherever it may be yeah yeah let, let uh, i'll shift a little bit here and I'll, uh we'll, we'll talk a little bit about you know what what you guys have been doing to expand your presence and brand name uh, one of those things is you guys started your own podcast so of course i'm going to give you an opportunity here to, to plug that but what's what why bother because I, I look podcasting can be simple, but still, it's a little bit of work. Yeah, it's a little bit into it, right? I only do one episode a week, um, but it's still, you know, it's like a small part-time job. Why add that to your plate of things you have to do? Yeah, so I think the main thing was we have. So now our our team has grown pretty significantly. Um, we've got over five hundred employees across the world. You know, we've got. 250 plus people in the Philippines. Um, and we've got some incredible new people that have joined the team here in the U S and all the different markets we're serving. And I think 
what we wanted to do is sort of share those stories of some of the property management business owners who have joined, um, as well as hear from people in the different local markets. Cause we get asked questions all the time of like, Hey, what do you think of this market? What do you think of this trend in the industry? Right. And being able to have content that you can send over to people, um, and reference that really helps with, uh, you know, just establishing that we know these markets, we, we've got people there, they've got interesting stories and backgrounds, and there might be other people that want to join Poplar that want to hear from the Poplar team and, and associates. And so I think that's our focus on the PropCast, it's called the Poplar PropCast, um, is to talk to property managers, uh, owners, and any any kind of uh, professionals in the industry, not necessarily tech focused, really just um, market focused and, and kind of real estate focused and bring that information to our customer base and, and any individual owners that are out there um, who are looking to invest. Gotcha. Yeah, I think it's cool. Uh, I, I had an opportunity to start getting into a few of the episodes while I was doing some yard work the other day. Um, and so, you know, I've added it to my my uh, my iTunes. The thing about it is, for me, this is going to sound so hypocritical as a podcast host. <laughs> I just don't regularly listen to podcasts. It's actually really <laughs> hard work for me. The only time I do it is when uh, absurdly, like, really long runs uh, and In then the car. Uh, traveling. Yeah. 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 In the I, car, actually, I'm a silence guy. I don't want to talk to nobody. I, like, I, I, like, full-on escape and enjoy the road, but that's... Oh, really? Interesting. For another time. Well, you're not even riding in four wheels anymore. You, you're riding on two wheels now. No, I, I don't bother getting in the cager anymore. You know, I'm motorcycles here, so yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> well, we'll see. In the, you'll see me in the winter time. I'll have to. I'll have to let everyone know what it looks like in the winter time in South Dakota when I when I ride you around. Oh yeah. Um, if anyone hasn't seen, go to Nate's uh, Twitter and check out the new seat he put on his. <laughs> on his bike it's winter proofed it's ready the, the sheepskin man the sheepskin it's, it's comfortable it looks awesome oh uh, that's only on the that's on the indian uh so okay here we go and so let, let's keep moving forward i want to talk about other things though for poplar because you know you talk about being like a lifelong real estate brand for people mm-hmm. and interestingly enough this is kind of in the news lately of other people uh talking about similar concepts what are you doing to really extend take a property management company from just being a property management company and being something a little bit more to the everyday consumer. Yeah. So I think the, the idea with lifetime real estate journey and and partnership is, you know, as a property manager, you're often the first to hear about when there's going to be a change in some kind of ownership situation in a property or, if someone wants to buy more property, and especially as we've grown our markets nationally into new into new states and, and cities, um, you know, we will hear from customers saying, "Hey, what, where should I invest next?" or "What what market is looking good for you guys?" Um, or they'll tell us, "Hey, I'm selling my property. Is there anyone that might be interested?" And just being able to connect the dots there and around something like brokerage and helping trade properties within our marketplace. That's one of the key um, first steps. This is stuff that is not, you know, what we're really focused on right now is is really just getting that national coverage because our thesis is that if we can be in all the markets that a real estate investor wants to be in, then you can really unlock a lot of those benefits from national scale for the independent owners. Um, especially as as independent owners face more competition with institutions and others getting into the space um we 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 want to grow that market presence and then be able to start connecting the dots within our customer base Um, whether that's additional services like insurance for example is one of those uh, financing brokerage Um, so that's sort of the the additional, you know, um, services that we, we want to explore, but it's still pretty early. Um, and I would say, you know, the first thing you got to nail is the operational component of actually delivering on the property management. Um, and 
we feel like we've nailed that, but we're, we're now expanding it across the, across the country. Gotcha. Yeah. And it, I mean, there's so much, obviously there's lots of different ways to go about it. And I think that's what, one of the things that's just so interesting here. I mean, you're talking about the most important piece to a lot of people, it's shelter. And so mm-hmm. then how do you go about that? And because you have two separate, you know, you have two clients or two customers, you know, the, the renters and, and the owners, you know, so where you go in that, you could take that many different directions. Um, speaking of marketing though, I want to kind of get back to a little bit tactical here, right? Like thinking through the rental landscape, the last few years have, we've seen just a ton of change. I was part of some of that change when we exited avail and sold to realtor.com, you know, that was a, a clear signal of where the marketplaces were going. And, and I'll, you know, I'll break down what I, what I mean by that, right? Zillow Zumper built their own tools to appeal to the the mom and pop landlords and, you know, realtor.com, CoStar through apartments.com, and then even Redfin all went and bought rental tools mm-hmm. to try and, you know, capture some of that long tail uh, listings content, you know, the single family rentals that are majority owned. Most people don't know this. 80% of your single family homes are owned by independent, you know, individual investors. So it's not the institutional story that we see in the, the news headlines all the day. You know, maybe one day that'll change and, it certainly looks like uh, momentum is somewhat shifting as far as acquisitions uh, speed, but it's a long ways off. And so, you know, all those changes, Zillow walled off their garden. You know, you used to be able to just syndicate everything to Zillow. Apartments.com walled off theirs. You know, they're limiting who can send them apartment listings. Facebook walled off its. It shut down and, you know, I think like Turbo Tenant and Rental Beast and, uh, even a Bodo uh, was in there uh, and some realtor tools to syndicate rental listings into Facebook Marketplace shut down overnight. These are significant changes. Mm-hmm. As a property manager, you're stuck in the middle. I mean, you are stuck in the middle of all this and just saying like, guys, all I want to do is like post this rental and, and find a great tenant. What are you doing to tackle that challenge? Yeah, that's it's that's been an interesting one. It's sort of, uh, you know, at the end of the day, we're not trying to compete on search or discovery of listings. So we've kind of been rolling with the punches as as they've changed their uh, their policies. And I think you know with with Zillow, Apartments.com, right? We've had to go direct feed, um, which ultimately we realized you know this was in the works for a while, right? And they were. Yeah, sort of yeah. stunting the exposure of syndicated feeds, whether it's through like a rent links or one of the other yeah. um, kind of. They started state by state. Yeah, exactly. It, it, yeah. They started cutting it off state by state. And uh, yeah, so it, it took like, it was like a year and a half process where they just kind of like, or, or a year or so, but it was, it felt like forever. Cause I remember every time we got notice of like, yeah, we can no longer send Zillow uh, listings for such and such. I'm like, what the hell, man? Just like pull the bandaid off. Like, why yeah. do you do this to us? <laughs> yeah, and that and part of it was we were watching like where were we getting actually high quality tenants that ended up signing a mm. lease. And um, thankfully, Craigslist slow. You know, when we started, we started Poplar eight years ago, two thousand fourteen, and Craigslist was still very relevant for rental search. Uh, luckily, over the years, we've seen that become less relevant as people have been fed up with like the scams that you get on there or just, you know, not high quality listings. You don't have the features of like virtual tours that some of these other platforms offer. So that one, it was nice that that got off because it's hard to play on Craigslist if you have properties in many different states and you're one property management company and you're trying to post all of them. Um, It was just a brutal process. So We've stopped. I mean, you got to go back every forty-eight hours and boost exactly listing. Otherwise, you know it's absolutely invisible. Exactly, and you know you don't even know if you're being like shadow banned on a platform like that. So we've gone direct with all those different platforms now, and um, really focused on just you know nurturing a good relationship with with the folks over there, making sure we've got our our direct feed set up, and um, yeah, it's it it hasn't been that difficult to switch over to that i mean it's really just switching where yeah. you're pointing the the data fire hose um does that make it more expensive 
Um, it 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 does, but I think the it, I think the exposure boost that you get by not being at the bottom of all these different listing sites because they were like Zillow was stunting Rentlink's listings and like putting them below their direct feed listings. Right. Um, I can't say of other which websites I know do this, but I do know of other websites that are still doing it now. Yeah. So yeah. that. So I think that's like there's maybe some additional benefit there, but also keep in mind a lot of this happened in the last couple of years when the market has been right. Just things are flying off the shelf. So uh, stuff was in motion, and then everything just changed overnight, which honestly exasperated every issue. Exactly, and and I think that's like what we will see once when the market starts to slow down more significantly and. Um, like yeah. we were talking about earlier, you know, that's maybe a little bit of that, that slowdown is happening, but it's still very hot right now. Um, yeah. And also these companies change their pricing structures depending on how the market's moving. So, you know, at some point of sometimes you get flat fees, other times you get per listing. So I think that's part of that, uh, process is just making sure that you have a good relationship with that platform and you're kind of on top of the market as it changes and making sure you adjust your your payment terms. Yeah. Well, I want to we'll kind of talk a little bit about markets here. I know you guys have been expanding. Yeah. Uh, and you've uh, added a number of markets. Where what are all, how many markets are you guys in? Where are some of the new markets you, you've uh, grown the business to? Yeah. So we have uh, made it across the coast now. We are, our East Coast markets are uh the Carolinas, um, DC, Maryland, uh, we're in about 12 States now at this point, uh, in the Midwest, wow. Chicago is our biggest market. Um, and a lot of that has happened through, you know, some of the acquisitions we've done on the M and a side and, and kind of, um, finding the best of the best in each of those markets, yep. um, to join the team. And, uh, for example, Chicago, uh, we acquired, you know, company that had 3000 uh multifamily doors uh, wow. and is one of the one of the primary operators there we our specialty is not multifamily but the idea is multifamily has always represented a small chunk of our portfolio and um we see opportunity there but we really want to find people that have cut their teeth in that market and and know it through and through so those folks in Chicago will be a part of building out our multifamily platform. Um, yeah. So that's uh yeah, yeah 12, and, 12 states. And you, you said states. you look for the best of the best though. So like, this is actually interesting because a lot of real estate investors don't look for the best of the properties. They look for properties that need some work mm -hmm. and, they, and then and they bring in the value add. So I'm curious, what are some of the attributes you're looking for when you're making those acquisitions of these other property management companies? How are you looking at them? To, to you know, is it just like number of doors? Is it staff? Do they have to already show like they know what Slack is and how to set different Slack channels? What's the part? What what are the things? You're laughing, yeah. but you and I both know we've been. Oh, in Slack I'm laughing because I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because if you've ever been in Slack with people who genuinely don't know how Slack is and it should work or is most optimal, it's it is rather painful to experience. So Absolutely. walk me through some of those attributes that you look for. Yeah. So. Typically, you know, we're looking at starting with doors, right? We you know 250 to 1,000 plus doors. Um, that's sort of the sweet spot where you see like the highest volume. Of course, if you can get larger than 1,000 and looks great, then we'll do it. Um, we're looking at that piece of it. We're also looking at what is the revenue per door? Like have back to that idea of kind of, the lifetime real estate partner, like have company, have these companies um, tested that or, or are they aligned with that vision as well? And thinking about how to add on additional services for residents or owners, not only delivering a greater experience, but also opening up additional revenue streams. Um, and then we are looking at, you know, growth potential in that market. So um, someone that, you know, has a good growth engine or, great reputation. Um, most of the sellers that work with us either are selling because, you know, they've built something and they're retiring or they want to invest in something else. You know, one of the sellers 
wanted to invest in in Bitcoin, right? And wanted wanted out of the real estate game. So you've encountered those sorts of things. Um, Bless their heart. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and you know, then there's others that where like the Chicago deal, where there's a real synergy between the two companies because you. As Poplar, we can benefit from their expertise in multifamily. Their clients mm. can benefit from the fact that we're in all these other markets and those clients might want to invest or develop property in those markets. So mm-hmm. identifying some of those synergies is key. Um, but yeah, we're, you know, we only buy profitable businesses, right? We're, we're looking at businesses that are working, um, but maybe there's yeah. a change in motivation or um, direction gotcha. for the sellers. So there's an interesting trend here because I've actually been watching this, and and uh, here's what's happening: you, you you have this hunger. There's a, a very large hunger for buying service-based businesses, and a lot of times it has to do with because they they generally have lower multiples than say a tech business, right, or even just pure real estate at this point. Um, and so then, okay, I can buy a service-based business from anywhere from one to four x multiple, mm-hmm. but when we talk tech businesses, you know, valuations and acquisitions come through anywhere from like, I mean, it can be as low as four. That generally isn't a good sign for the yeah. tech company, right? But they're much higher, six, eight, 10, 12 even, are not uncommon. So I can't help but think about this. I'm like, okay, so let me, let me get this straight. We got VC-backed tech-enabled property management company goes and buys traditional service-based company at say 4X, tech-enabled property management company because better central office, better systems, better tech, smoother, streamlined systems, and far more profitable means 8 and 10x is possible. I mean, it's almost like instant equity mm-hmm. in making those acquisitions. But there's new companies I'm seeing in the last few years who that's how they've actually got their start. They raised money, they went out and acquired traditional PMCs, and they're pushing valuation as a tech company. Okay, here's the question. What do tech-enabled companies who are going into property management and taking that approach not know uh, as far as challenges that weigh in, uh, that are waiting in, for them ahead? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think the, you know, w- the reason that this strategy is is kind of makes a lot of sense, especially in the property management and, and most service businesses, is it's so fragmented, right? And reaching those end customers that um, are in the market, right? There, a lot of it is established relationships with longtime established relationships with local operators, and I think the one of the big challenges that you have in going in and doing an acquisition is kind of disrupting that and this long-term relationship that a property owner has with their property manager who they can pick up the phone and call and get, you know, whatever they need done, right? And it's it's kind of like the guy down the street kind of mentality. And there's sort of a general uh, reaction against like a larger company that, you know, is coming in and that you think is going to ruin that experience. Um, so you have to be very sensitive to that. I think when, when doing a, a M&A roll up is um, finding operators who will continue to be a part of that relationship with the customer. And then it's all about just expanding the number of doors that single person can manage and doing that through technology or automation or system. So, like a benchmark we set for ourselves is like if we can get to a point where we have, you know, 300, 350 doors per local in-market employee, that's kind of, a you know, the average in the industry is probably one to 85 doors or 85 to 100 doors. Mm. Um, right. So if you can actually change that multiple, then you can truly transform that business, but still have that local operator involved and be someone that the owners can talk to. So that's very key in our business that we want those local operators to stay with us um, and their staff. And 
basically just help them grow their portfolio in that market um, and take off some of the tedious day-to-day work that may have been involved with running it the traditional way. A lot of which is like we were talking about earlier, jumping between systems, you know, piping information manually between those systems. Um, and that's, that, that's sort of what we see as key, but yeah, in terms of challenges, I think the disruption of the local mom and pop type feel, uh, engagement with the customer, that's a risk because customers may just churn and say, Hey, I'm out of here. Yeah. 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 I, I can definitely understand that. Now you guys have, uh, recently you guys closed a, a new round to help fund additional development and acquisitions. Do you want to share a little bit about what that was, how much you raised and what that means, uh, for, you know, Poplar in the near term? Yeah. Yeah. So we, we closed around beginning of this year for uh, 54 million that uh, included a mix of, uh, c- cash for the M and a and, an equity investment, um, and mm-hmm. had some awesome new investors join. Um, LL Funds uh, fund out of Philly uh, led that round, and um, with that, you know, one of our primary objectives was obviously getting the acquisitions going. So uh, yeah. even before we closed that round, we had already closed two or three deals, and then after that, we've been closing, you know, at least one or two deals per month. So really getting that engine going uh, in terms of the mm-hmm. M&A side. And then- And Zane was an investor, right? Yeah, that's right. Uh, Zane Jaffer was uh, an investor in that round. Yeah. Um, and he, you know, actually also, uh, we we were able to work together on property management for some of his, uh, his portfolio. So that was a cool experience. Oh. And, you, you know, it's- it's always fun when your investors are also customers because you just get a nice little stream of feedback during the whole process. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the way you, you sum it up. And then for those who don't know, Zane was uh, uh, a guest earlier this year, or early 2020, he was a guest on TechNest. Uh, so he was one of the early guests on some of the inaugural um, comeback episodes, if you will. Uh, so it was fun, and um, you know, we we gave you a few shout outs in that episode. Yeah, that was a, that was a great one. I I he's you know very uh, plugged into some of the latest developments in in uh, tech, especially. I gave him a hard time because he wrote a he wrote an uh, an essay, and I can't remember if his position was for or uh, saying the offices weren't dead or if they were dead. Um, uh-huh. And I think I I gave him a hard time about that. I was like, hey, why don't we come on? Why don't you come on the show? Let's talk about whether or not if officers are dead, I think they're dead, by the way, but whether or not they're dead, you know. Um, so what's the verdict totally now? Dead. That's not true. <laughs> I, you know, actually, what was it? The, uh, there was something I was looking at the other day. It was like totally, oh, it was HQO, the company HQO. It's technology for like, mm-hmm. you know, office access and all that kind of stuff. Number 75 on the Inc. 5000. Now, okay, that's one indicator. That's one little sliver of information. But here's the deal. How's that company growing like that if the office is dead? Mm-hmm. And it doesn't tell me the office is dead. It just says that it's changing. And it's get, we're going to see a lot of change to it. And just because as many people may not be in the office Monday through Friday doesn't mean the office is dead. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of adjustments to be made there. We'll see more flexibility. I think that's more than yeah. anything. That's what we should expect. And we'll see coming out of that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, for us, we, we've we been pretty remote. Uh, our team is now spread all around the country, but it's been really nice. We've all put an effort into like getting together at least once a quarter every three months. So the whole team gets together. That's very um, cool. We did a trip out to the Philippines, like 13 of us get, went out there um, and wow. got to meet with the whole team there and spend time together for a few weeks. And so that doing stuff like that really helps you know, keep the the bucket full, but um, we we don't have some massive centralized office in the U.S. We do have an office in the Philippines, um, and but the yeah. only team that's there full time is our sales sales team. Uh, the other teams use it on on a you know ad hoc basis. Gotcha, Chuck. You might remember this, and we are going to head into the bottom of the show for a segment that's called For the Future. 
which is when yeah. I get to ask each guest who comes on the show to give their best predictions based on the following four questions. And some of these have changed since your first time going through this. Are you ready to play? Yes, let's do it. All right, let's do it. Number one, what does popular homes look like one year from now? One year from now, uh, yeah, I want to be all around the country. I want to I want to break pierce the veil in uh, New England, uh, which is an interesting market, Whoa. and uh, would like to um, basically have Poplar be at twenty five thousand plus doors, um, and starting to build out that marketplace between all of our customers and really seeing more residents transition to homeowners um, through the street cred program. We'd like to see that happening. Very cool. Question number two, are we at a peak or will we continue to see venture capital, both literal capital and interest pour into the property management business uh, in a sector, if you will, why or why not? Yeah, look, I mean, I think right now you've got some aspects of inflation and, uh, you know, what some people say is a softening economy, although I don't I don't know how much of that is is true. Right. Doesn't seem like it, especially with job numbers. Nobody can hear me shaking my head right now. No. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't seem like it. So I think there's. There's a lot of cash out there looking for a home and, and real estate and adjacent yeah. to real estate is a very um, solid investment. At the end of the day, you know, having land and the property on top of it and kind of owning your piece of the physical world um, is valuable, which means all the adjacent things around that are becoming valuable. So even if, you know, one of the nice things about property management specifically is it's sort of has some recession proof elements, right? When, if there is a slowdown in the economy, more there's more rental demand. Um, as home prices continue to out, outpace wage growth, there's more demand for rentals. As inflation rises or uns, uncertainty be, about the future increases, then there's more businesses that might be selling their businesses or more owners who might say, hey, maybe now's the time to make a change. So there's a lot of, yeah. um, you know, positive trends that I think, uh, will continue to drive venture capital into the prop tech space. And, you know, and I, I'm very excited to experience that as a consumer, um, living and renting and buying and going through that whole journey, because, uh, yeah. I think this asset class historically has been so illiquid, very inaccessible for often for, for many people. And, all this technology is, is helping make it more liquid, more accessible. Yeah. Yeah. Question number three, what's one industry trend you think will continue, but you wish would go away? <laughs> um, industry trend that would continue, but go away. I think the, you know, that's, I think there's something about the, uh, trend towards kind of traditional versus uh, technology enabled that is a blocker in this industry. And what I mean by that is like recently, you know, there's a massive, massive uh, lawsuit from National Association of Realtors. Um, I think again, I think, I don't know if that one was the one related to Open Door, but there's sort of this this like pushback from the traditional model, uh, traditional real estate agents and realtors. And I totally understand it because there's downward pressure on commissions and um, other aspects, but I don't like the trend towards just like turn it, turn everything into a lawsuit. Um, and I, I would hope that there can be some creative solutioning between the two sides to work together to like ultimately figure out what's best for the end consumer. Um, so I don't know if that's really like a trend. It just seems like that is a trend that um, is happening that I would hope would not continue. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I don't want to get sued. I'm okay with that. That's good. Yeah. That sounds great. Let's talk it out. <laughs> yeah. Talk it out and figure out, <laughs> figure out how to involve like the, the traditional model with the new model or, 
um, rather than just kind of sending it to the lawyers, you know, that could be a bias. That could be a biased uh, perspective. It could be a bias. I mean, Hey, you know, (laughs) that's what all this, all this is uh, a bias, but last one here on for the future. What's one thing you believe will dramatically change or fade away in real estate as a result of tech advances? Um, I think it's going to be honestly the, the one, like the fact that there's one fee standard for all different kind of real estate. I think that's going to fade away. I think there's going to be more options for consumers to pick and choose which pieces of real estate service they want and to pay an associated amount for that service. So what I mean by that is like almost like an a la carte experience where if you want just the platform to run to manage your own property you could get that or if you want the platform plus you know uh, a leasing agent you could get that and sort of this unbundling of real estate um, I think that's going to be uh, something that that happens in, in the next few years it's already already in process we're, we're seeing some of that yeah 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 all right, Chuck, last three is for our listeners to get to know you just a little bit better. First one, what yeah. are you reading? So I'm sure you or someone on your show has mentioned this book before, but right now I'm deeply engrossed in the Sam Zell autobiography, Am I Being Too Subtle? Uh, I would highly no, recommend No, no one has mentioned that book. That has oh. not been mentioned. Oh, How well. dare everyone? <laughs> well, I, I would say... <laughs> You know, it speaks to me very personally because Sam Zell, you know, built one of the largest real estate companies in the world, known as the Grave Dancer out of Chicago. He started in college housing. That's where we started. And I highly mm. recommend that you listen to the book, at least for Ordering some of it. it. Right now, like literally um, just put it into my Amazon cart. Yeah. And he's it's just, uh, you know, there's there's so many business books where you kind of hear the same thing, just rehash in a different way. Um, but Sam Zhao really cuts the chase and, uh, yeah, is just, uh, yeah, it's a great story. Got to start in college housing. Um, and it's, if you listen to it, he's, he's the one reading the audiobook, and it, there's, oh. it actually makes for some funny moments cause he's got kind of this deadpan voice, but he, you know, is describing situations that are a little comedic. So, uh, I would I, recommend I like when the author actually reads it. I love that. Number too, two, yeah. who are you learning from? Yeah. So, uh, you know, one of the best uh, learning sources I have sits behind me in my office. And uh, that's my brother, Hank, Hank Hadamer. He works in venture capital. And I get to hear the flip side of the, uh, the tech side and the venture capital side, which is very interesting to kind of hear what's happening in VC, especially oh, yeah. recently with valuations and term sheets changing. Yep. And um, so, you know, he's not someone that really puts himself out there on the internet, but uh, if I were to say someone that does put themselves out there um, that you could also learn from, I would, I would probably, I mean, I, I gain a lot from what you put out there, Nate. And, uh, you know, I think now. that's, I think that's, uh, something in the prop tech space. If you're listening to this, you've already found Nate, but, uh, the, the Twitter, the real estate Twitter kind of group, uh, that has, that is kind of real time sharing their learnings as they're building their portfolio yes. or their business. Like I, I love being able to hear about that. Chuck, how do we get more prop tech founders on Twitter? I can't seem to get them to understand the value they're leaving on the table. I'm like, here's the deal. If you're listening to this as a founder, like I want you to understand this and just listen to me very clearly. Right now, I can go and I can talk to someone who has 10,000 units under management. And yeah, they lead a fund, so they don't personally own all the money. But they they are like assets under management, 10,000 units. I can probably find five of them. Okay, mm-hmm. and I get responses from these people. I know people who have they've got portfolios of 100 million plus, and and this is like these are your customers. It's everything from student housing to mobile home parks to the just single family rentals. It distributed, mm-hmm. centralized in a city. You've got commercial, industrial. I just for the life of me, I can't understand why a prop tech founder 
wouldn't want to be on Twitter and spend 10 to 15 minutes a day just, just if nothing else, listening to their ideal customer. It's, mm-hmm. it's all there. They're right there. They're ready to talk. They'd say it unfiltered. Un, you know, it's not like a survey result. You get your survey results. You prompted the thought. These are all unprompted thoughts. Yeah. It's real. And it's just so good. You're not wrong there. And I'm sorry for that little rant, but it just drives no, that's... me bonkers when I don't get a Twitter link to promote someone's Twitter handle because they're not on Twitter. Kills yeah, me. I yeah, I think it's uh, it's you know at the end of the day you got to pull pull yourself out of out of the day to day a little bit to hear what's happening in the industry. And there's also like really great, just really specific details that people share about. Um, how they how they you know invest how they make an investment decision about property right and rather yep. I've learned and gathered data from that um, and use that in our own whether it's fundraising or or our own marketing research um, and sometimes it's more informative than you'll get from a survey. Yeah, very much agree. Last one here, Chuck. What inspires you? What inspires me? Well. I think this idea of, you know, when we first started Poplar, like this whole idea of like a, a one click experience where you can move seamlessly between the places that you live um, and have that be kind of this, this hands, I, I don't know, I hate moving um, and I hate like the, 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 the problems that associated with like picking up your stuff and moving to another place. And so what inspires me is this vision that we can help with that. We can deliver this great experience and we can help you no matter where you're going in the country and hopefully the world and beyond. Um, and that's something that really inspires me with regards to the business I'm working on and, and the idea that we are working on something that's so central to people. You know, we're managing the home they live in, which is usually the place that you spend the most money on. That is where you're raising your family, where you're doing your, your working, your career. And also on the flip side for the owner, it's your, it's oftentimes your largest investment or one of your largest investments and assets. And just that responsibility um, and the ability to impact that, something so important in people's lives that's really what inspires me um, and just making that a really easy experience it's very cool chuck thank you so much for the last 50 some minutes here um i know we covered a lot of ground there's, there's like a million different angles we could have gone through that i i think our before the show banter was good but i don't know if i want to publish that i i, I have too many pointed opinions and insider intel so we'll leave that for i our- think i think it was you left the record off so you know <laughs> You'll have to get the you'll you'll have to contact Nate directly for uh, one of these days when uh, when it makes more sense. I'll do like an inside baseball episode of PropTech, all the the whispers and rumors. Uh, But until then, um, for those who want to get in touch with you, learn more about Poplar and even the new podcast, where do they go and how do they do that? Yeah, so check us out at poplarhomes.com. That's Poplar, not popular. Uh, Think of the tree. And then, uh, yeah, reach out on uh, Twitter. I'm at Chuck H underscore. Um, and uh, check out the PropCast. It's on Spotify, uh, iTunes, wherever you find your podcasts. Uh, give us some feedback. Let us know what you want to hear about. And it's uh, it's not competitive to Nate's. It's, it's a market. Totally different. Yeah, totally different. You're going to learn a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> It's 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 less tech focused and it's it's uh it's more more you know, into the real estate and the management and properties and all that kind of stuff. Exactly, so, exactly. Yeah, but and come join uh, Nate and I. We're holding down prop tech out in the uh, in the West here in Wyoming and that's uh, right. Rapid We're City. dating this episode just a tiny bit, but it's quite okay. Yeah. Uh, well, I was th- I thought you were going to plug Blueprint. I was going to say we're at oh. Blueprint, but uh, hey, look, here's the thing. Nobody gets it. And I'll end with this. South Dakota and Wyoming are on the up. And if Absolutely. you don't want to believe this, that's fine. You just stay on the outside. But um, we're, we're not. We're, we're getting the action early. We're early days. So I'm excited for that. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me, Nate. Cool. It's been fun. Yeah, man. We'll see you later. Yeah. 
Well, thanks for listening to the Tech Nest Podcast. You can always get future episodes delivered to you directly by subscribing to the podcast in your favorite app store. You can also join the newsletter. Head over to technest.io or finledger.com slash newsletters to get all future episodes, updates, and more sent to you right in your inbox. Last but not least, we appreciate your support. Please go ahead and give us a rating and review in your app store. This helps others discover the podcast and know that it's a great, worthy listen. We'll see you next week.